Listen to me, all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside a person that by going in can defile. But the things that come out are what defile. For it is from within, from the human heart, that evil intentions come. All these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. Please pray with me. Dear Lord in heaven, we ask you, as we do week by week, to join us here this morning. We trust that you are here with us. May my words be your words, and all of our thoughts your thoughts. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. I am about to say something publicly that I never could have admitted while my mother was still alive. Her side of the family is steeped in tradition and manners, and there are some things that they just didn't do. My, my mother's mother, for instance, my grandmother, had her own personal, fully formed etiquette. Some of those things made sense. She proudly proclaimed, for example, that she had never once in her life eaten with plastic utensils. Hard to believe, but apparently true. She was definitely a classy lady. Some of her sticking points made less sense, though. For instance, she refused to use a post office that wasn't built of brick. I suppose that when you're mailing a letter, you want a certain sense of permanence. But neither my mother nor her mother would have ever countenanced what I allow in my house, what I'm about to confess to you. In my house, as foreign as it sounds to my ear, and if I believed in haunting, my mother would definitely haunt me for allowing this. In my house, we allow eating with our elbows on the table. I know, I know, we're savages. My mother probably spent a combined 1,000 hours of her life telling my sister and me to get our elbows off the table. You look like a truck driver at a lunch counter, she'd say. But you know, it's just a lot easier to eat with your elbows on the table. But we do maintain a baseline. We may be savages, but we're not animals. We at least make our children wash our hands, wash their hands. We have standards, like my mother did, like her mother before her. Unlike, for example, Jesus Christ. That's a joke. Come on. (laughs) Mark chapter 7, we just read it. It should be clear in your minds. Jesus and his disciples are eating, and a group of Pharisees come up to them. And of course, these Jewish legal experts are always looking for something that they can get Jesus in trouble with. And this time, they notice that his disciples are eating with unclean hands. So they ask Jesus why this is. Why are your disciples not following the traditions of the elders, which involves significant, serious ceremonial hand washing and extra cleaning of all the stuff that they cooked and ate with? And in response, Jesus quotes Isaiah to them. This people honors me with their lips. But their hearts are far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching human precepts as doctrines. And then he tells them what he really means. You abandon the commandments of God and hold to human 
tradition. I can't tell you how much I love this. Not only is this little story advocating for questionable table manners, which I appreciate, but it's also like a one-punch knockout. It's, a, it's devastating. The Pharisees come up to Jesus thinking they finally got him, right? They finally got the upper hand. His disciples are in violation. They're unclean. But as soon as they get into the interaction for just a moment, they must have realized how in over their heads they were. As you say, you mess with the bull, you get the horns. You mess with the Jesus, you're going to find out exactly what the word of God actually means. It's a little like that rich young man who came to Jesus asking what he needed to do to be saved, claiming that he'd been keeping the law since he was a child. Oh, really? Jesus responded and then proceeded to tell that young man exactly what the law really required of him, revealing just how much of a sinner that young man had not realized he was. And Jesus does the same thing here. You talk to Jesus about the rules You can expect to find out just exactly what the rules mean and expect to find yourself revealed to be in violation of them. So the way that I want to approach this little story this morning is to look at two separate distinctions that Jesus makes here, two comparisons, and use them to understand what Jesus is teaching us here first He's making this distinction between what he calls human precepts on the one hand and doctrines, doctrines of God on the other. So we're going to look at that. But he's also drawing another distinction here. He's drawing a distinction between the human internal and the human external. Someone's outside, what they appear to be or do, and someone's inside, who they actually are. And we'll look at that too. But I want to do the human precepts versus doctrines of God first. In vain, Jesus quotes from Isaiah 29, do they worship me? Teaching human precepts as doctrines. What does it mean that Jesus says these religious leaders are teaching human precepts, human rules as doctrines of God? Well, to use the example at issue here in this story, consider hand washing. Now, the law of God is be clean, be pure. The Pharisees and the teachers before them, who they refer to as the elders here, translate that law into something like wash your hands in this certain way with this certain soap for this certain amount of time before every meal. The intention is just to give practical steps to help people in their striving to be holy. No problem. This is a good idea. But then, this is the tricky part, then the teachers get so wrapped up in the new rules that they forget about what God actually wanted. True cleanliness. Real purity. And focus only on the hand washing. Or here's an example that makes a little more sense to us. God's command is don't lust after someone who is not your husband or wife. And over the years, various religious groups have turned this 
into human precepts like women can't wear dresses that show more than their ankles or men should not be alone in a room with someone who is not their wife or men and women cannot sit together at meals and so on and so on. All of these rules, we might, we might call this the footloose syndrome. You know, in order to have pure hearts, we outlaw anything that might lead to impurity. So in Footloose, the town has outlawed dancing because kids dancing might lead to actual sinning. So they got rid of the dancing. Of course, they didn't count on Kevin Bacon. Now, listen, these are not necessarily bad ideas. Indeed, some of them are actually wise. But we humans have a propensity to get confused. We start to think of the rule that we made as the real one as the important one. And we forget God's original law entirely. And what ends up happening is a true tragedy because we stop striving for holiness and start outlawing dancing. We water down God's actual law into a set of human rules and then teach them, the human rules, as if they were God's law. Honor your father and mother. Uh, Okay, Um, don't tell them what's really going on in your life and make sure that your apartment is clean when they come to visit. Thou shalt not steal. Uh, But using a friend's Disney Plus login is probably fine. (laughs) Love thy neighbor. Uh, Unless they drain their above ground pool directly under the fence into your yard. You know, just to pick an example at random. When the standard is too high, honor your father and mother, period. Be honest, period. Love your neighbor, period. Or as Jesus says, be perfect as your father in heaven is perfect. When the standard is too high, when we've done all we can and still can't seem to live up to it, we do what humans do. We lower the standard And we focus on that. We teach human precepts as doctrines. This is what we do every day. And this is exactly what the Pharisees were doing too. They couldn't live up to the real law. Be clean. Be perfectly clean. So they got all serious about something that they could do. Wash your hands very carefully. Similarly, we can't take the weight of the actual law of God. Be perfect. Love your Lord, your God, with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so we translate it into something that we can take. Remember that what your mother doesn't know won't hurt her. Don't steal in obvious or egregious ways. Be nice to your neighbors. Don't eat with your elbows on the table. And in this way, Christianity becomes a set of acts. Good, valuable acts to be sure. But Christianity becomes a set of acts instead of what it actually is. The provision of a savior for those of us who cannot get our acts together. Christianity is the provision of a savior For those of us who cannot get our acts together. 
So after admonishing the Pharisees about treating human rules as if they were the law of God, Jesus then turns to the actual law of God. So the Pharisees, remember, are complaining that because of the dirt on their hands, Jesus' disciples aren't clean, that they're not being faithful to God, set aside holy. And the Pharisees blame Jesus. After all, these are his disciples. But remember, you mess with the bull, you get the horns. Jesus turns around and says, oh, you want to talk about unfaithful? You want to talk about unclean? Let's talk about what unclean really means. And then he says this incredible thing. Listen to me, all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside a person that by going in can defile. But the things that come out are what defile. For it is from within, from the human heart, that evil intentions come. Fornication, theft, murder, adultery, avarice, wickedness, deceit, licentiousness, evil, slander, pride, folly. All these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. Now, at first, it doesn't seem like this can possibly be right. This isn't what we've been taught. This isn't how the world works. Surely, what we've been told our whole lives is still true, right? That we need to protect ourselves from the evil influences out there. Fast food, rap music, Playboy magazine, violent video games, whatever you were told to run away from. Protect yourself. Stay clean. We're sure that we're okay in here. And we need to protect ourselves from the evil that is out there. And here we have Jesus' second distinction. The one that he makes by accusing the Pharisees of honoring him with their lips, but being far from him in their hearts. Lips outside, hearts inside. What's happening is that the apparent exterior righteousness well-washed hands, is giving off an appearance that's not actually borne out by what's inside. It's a shield hiding the truth. This is you. This is me. Pretty much every moment that we're awake, showing people a cleaned-up, sanitized version of ourselves. The best and classic modern-day example of this is the practice of posting the photograph of the single moment in which everyone is smiling from the completely ruined afternoon at the amusement park. Everyone was fighting, someone threw up, your bunion is killing you, but snap looks great on Facebook. We are all prone to hiding what's really on the inside. Jesus unfortunately for us, says that this kind of thing is vain. He calls it vanity, lip service. Near me with your lips. Lip service is worthless. What Jesus wants is hearts. He doesn't care about hands. The Pharisees are accusing the disciples of being unclean on the outside, while they themselves are unclean on the inside. Elsewhere, Jesus calls them whitewashed tombs, which look all pretty on the outside, but inside contain only death. Now, this teaching 
is counterintuitive in the extreme. We feel like Jesus should be saying, the world is an evil place. If you let it get into you, it will defile you. So protect yourself. Be careful what you let your eyes see. Be careful what you let your ears hear. Be careful. Stay clean. It's not untrue. The world is an evil place and you should be careful. But this is not what Jesus is saying here. Incredibly, here he's saying that the things that go into you, that is the things that you come in contact with out in the world, the things you do, eat, buy, say, sleep with, or whatever, these things cannot make you unclean. Now, at first, this sounds tentatively like good news. Okay, I can do anything I want and it cannot make me unclean. But it's not actually good news. It's just the bad news told in a new way. You don't have to worry about these things making you unclean because you are unclean already. Clean is a lost cause for you. The ship has sailed long ago. Jesus says that the uncleanliness comes from inside you, that it's your intentions, your desires your heart. He says that it is from within, from the human heart, that evil intentions come. This is the law that we'd like to trade in, teach some human precepts in its place. This is the standard we want lowered. This is why we teach our earthly rules as if they were God's law. They're so much easier. We don't want the law to be about our hearts because this makes us all guilty. Every single one of us. Jesus is saying that papering over our sinful hearts with a righteous looking exterior is worthless, vain. We get no points for keeping our wicked thoughts to ourselves. But there is actual good news. Good news with a capital G and a capital N. Point scoring is off the table altogether. In Galatians chapter 3, St. Paul says that now that faith has come, we are no longer subject to a disciplinarian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. As many of you, as were baptized into Christ... Have clothed yourselves with Christ. This is the good news. You are clothed with Christ. When God regards you now, he doesn't see your dirty hands or your dirty mind or your dirty mouth. And on account of Jesus' death for you, he does not even see your dirty heart. You are a new creation in Christ, wearing him, the spotless one, the blameless one. We were all dead, but now in him we are all raised to new life. We were all guilty, but now we are all on his account proclaimed innocent. Indeed, we have been given his innocence. We are counted Righteous because of the righteousness of Jesus Christ given to us. So, when you hear that little voice whispering in your head, 
saying, you're not clean enough. You're not good enough. God will never accept you. You can respond with the words of the great hymn, God be merciful to me, which is an adaptation of Psalm 51. God be merciful to me. On thy grace I rest my plea. Plenteous in compassion thou blot out my transgressions now. Wash me, make me pure within. Cleanse, oh cleanse me from my sin. My transgressions I confess, grief and guilt my soul oppress. I have sinned against thy grace and provoked thee to thy face. I confess thy judgment just, speechless, I thy mercy trust. I am evil, born in sin, thou desirest truth within. Thou alone, my Savior, art, teach thy wisdom to my heart. Make me pure, thy grace bestow, wash me whiter than the snow. And so he has, whiter than the snow. In light of Christ's finished work for you, worship with us. Acknowledge your sin. Acknowledge that it is not the world outside you that makes you a sinner, but that you are a sinner to your very core. Admit that you are speechless in the face of God's righteousness and just judgment. But now hear this. This good news, this gospel, you don't need to speak. You have someone who will speak and has spoken on your behalf. And not just someone, the very son of God, Jesus Christ, the righteous, has spoken for you. He is your advocate. He is your savior. He has made you pure. He has bestowed his grace upon you. He has washed you whiter than the snow. In Christ, a sinner like you has been made clean once and for all, forever. Amen.